So since our flyers aren't here, I do want to just explain next month is going to be, can you believe it's going to be February like this week, but next month is going to be uh, just a super awesome sermon series. God gave me this, this series a year ago and I had to wait for a year before he released it. So that right there is hard. Um, <laughs> cause waiting and patience is my fruit. That's always being ripened. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I want to encourage you. So it is going to be a, a series that is going to be a lot of participation. So each week we're going to do something different. It's called Squad Goals. You'll begin hopefully Flyers Wednesday night that we can invite people. We really want to make it interactive and invite people. The first week, um, the Squad Goals is all about building healthy relationships, okay? And to have a healthy church, we have to have healthy relationships. So the first week we're going to talk about loving our church, and that's Super Bowl Sunday. And you know, Super Bowl Sunday, everybody wants to sport their, like, team colors. Well, we're going to say wait to have the church to support your team colors. What we are asking everybody to do is sport their vision shirts. And we, I don't know, we might even give a prize out whoever has like the most retro um, vision shirt. So yeah, see, look at that. That's retro. You got a retro vision shirt. Stand up, stand up. Uh, thank you. See that vision ministries. That's so retro. I could, I can hardly even, I could, Oh, yep. I'm so blind. I had to get this close to see it. Sure enough, it says Vision Ministries. So, y'all, come on out next week. I got another vision shirt. Stand up. Stand up. And you sport your vision shirt next week. Now, if you're in here and you're like, you know what? I don't have a vision shirt. Guess what? <laughs> We're going to have shirts on Clarence for you guys next week. You know Clarence, my favorite name brand. Uh-huh. $5 t-shirts next week. I mean, Bring an extra $5. Buy you an extra shirt. We are going to be repping vision. And then afterwards, I promise... I promise you will get out on time to go to your games and your little parties and stuff, and then you can put your sports team on. But we want to rep vision next week. We want to encourage, um, we're going to learn about loving our church. The week after that, we're going to be talking about loving our spouse. Pastor Earl and Renee are going to be sharing here. We're going to be sharing in Waterville that week. We got something special for you guys. We're going to have photo booths that Sunday. So even if your spouse doesn't typically come to church with you, drag them this one Sunday with you and say, hey, we're going to get a picture and let's go get, you know, let's go get McDonald's afterwards. Just kidding. You can step it up maybe a little bit. I don't know. You know, let's go get lunch afterwards. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a good one. And listen, even if you're single in here and you're like, we love my spouse. I'm going to spouse. Yes, you do. His name is Jesus guys. And we are are going to teach you to be a healthy single person as well. Okay. Because listen, broke attracts broke, right? Healthy attracts healthy, right? So you got to be a healthy person before God gives you a healthy spouse. And so come out. It's going to be a good time. The week after that, Ooh, y'all, I'm excited about this one. The week after that is uh, Love My Friends. We're going to bring a friend church. It's going to bring a friend to church Sunday. And guess what? We're going to have food right afterwards. We're going to have what we call the agape feast. I'm going to be here for this one, y'all. So you better throw down. And, bring, and I've been doing this crazy Whole30 diet, and I'm going to be off of it by then. So bring some food, y'all. Bring some good food, okay? So it's going to be a good time. We're going uh, to talk about having, having healthy friendships. And then we're going to have... Get together and we're going to eat. And that's going to go on on both campuses. Waterville is going to get together somewhere in Waterville and they're going to eat afterwards. It's going to be a good time. Then the uh, last week is uh, Love My Children, okay? And we're going to talk about healthy ways to parent, how to discipline. And it's going to be a good time, y'all. Y'all, you don't want to miss this either. And what we're going to do that week is we're getting family baskets together. And we're, we're going to have quite a few uh, prizes and baskets. And we're going we're gonna to bless different people. Some people we might just pick from their connection card. Some people we might already feel like God told us, let's bless this family with this basket. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you don't miss February. And make sure you reach out to other people and bring them to church with you. Amen.
Amen. Okay. But we're going to finish up this sermon series today. And I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads so I can pray. Because we're going to try to hit this one home run. You want a home run today? That's the only way I like to go. When I come, I like to bring my best for the Lord. Not because I want to impress you. I learned long ago. That don't matter. (laughs) But I want to give my best to the Lord, and I want you guys to want the best from the Lord today. So, Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a good, good God and that you love us. God, we thank you for this series, Wake, Pray, and Slay, Lord God, that you are waking your church up, Lord God, that you are causing a hunger for prayer like we haven't had in years. God, that you are teaching us to slay our fears, slay our giants, and to take the land, Lord. God, I pray that you would equip us and anoint us, Lord God, to receive this word today. God, I pray that you would give us tender hearts, and God, that you would give us Uh, hearts that are ready to receive your word. God, that you would teach us who we are in you, that we would pick up our cross and that we would follow you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would anoint this message and anoint those who hear it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jackie says she she said it like she meant it, but I don't know about the rest of y'all. So can you say amen? Amen. Now listen, y'all, I have to teach people in Waterville how to say amen. When I come to South Toledo, I don't expect to teach y'all how to say amen. Okay. <laughs> um, this is also our notes are on you version. If you want to pull it up that way, if you're old school like me, you can bust out your talk it over sheet in your bulletin and take notes. I highly encourage people to take notes when the word of God is being preached. My daughter, um, she's like, look, mom, she, she's the only one who made it to church with me. I've I have three sick boys at home, so pray for them. Um, But she came, and she has her little bag. She said, Mom, I'm like you. I got my little bag, and inside of it has my Bible and my journal. And she was showing me, look, I I was taking notes. Oh, this note is from chapel at school, and they were talking about respect. And this note, I said, oh, that's good. And then I gave her some tips. I'm like, when someone's preaching, make sure you put their name so that you know, you know, who who taught you that up there. And, And she's only 11 years old and already taking notes, guys. We... As adults, you just set that example for our young ones and, and take notes. So I encourage everybody, and I do this too, when other people are preaching and I'm at uh, conferences or I get to hear my husband or Pastor Earl preach, I'll be in the front row taking notes. What can I learn from this? So that's something I just want to encourage you to continue to do um, if you're already doing it. And if you haven't, make that a new habit. So God is good. Um, wake, pray, and slay. Man, this has been a fun series, hasn't it? Oh, I'm telling you, the last time I was here, the altar call was just so beautiful, and my heart was just so touched. I was so touched to see God just move on people, and uh, I just realized that God is just doing a really great thing. I feel like January is just a month that he's preparing us for what he's going to bring us into for 2018. Um, I really do feel like 2018 is a year of acceleration. It's one of the words that the Lord spoke to me. It's a year that's going to be full of purpose. It's a year that where where things that we struggled with before, it's just going to come a little easier this year. And so I'm just receiving that word, and I'm believing that the seed that I plant in the ground is going to produce a harvest. Amen? Amen? But this is the thing, people. If we are believing for a harvest, we got to make sure we're planting our seeds. You don't get a harvest for just wishing for a harvest, right? You got to get out there and plant some seeds. So I want to encourage you guys, man, if you want a harvest in your marriage, you better be planting some seeds. If you want, if you want a harvest in, with your children, well, then you need to be 
planting some seeds. Pray over those kids. Encourage the kids to spend time with them. If, if you want to harvest in your church, you can't just go and be like, mm, they don't got this right and they don't got that right. Sometimes if God is showing you some things that ain't right, maybe he wants you to plant a seed and make it better. Amen? Come on, somebody. You can say amen, Pastor Earl. Say amen. <laughs> so this sermon series is kind of, uh, we kind of went with the theme of accomplishing our goals and realizing our purpose, God-given purpose. And so today's title is People of Purpose. Can you say that with me? Say People of Purpose. I want to read a scripture to you that if you have been around for a while, this scripture is familiar to you, especially probably in the KJV or the NIV. So I changed it up today and I'm going with the message version just for this scripture. Now the message version is um, what I call like the cliff notes of the Bible. (laughs) Okay. It's not the most accurate translation. Some people don't even like to call it a translation, but friends, it's really, really, there's sometimes um, the the writer of the message, he, he gets the big picture that sometimes we sometimes miss when we're trying to understand every little part. So this scripture, first Peter two, nine and 10, I think is really good the message and I want to read it to you. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Now, if you guys remember the last time I was here, I said that God wants to break off a spirit of insecurity off this body. Do you remember that? With insecurity comes rejection because usually we feel rejected and then we respond with insecurity. And a lot of times, depending on how we grew up, um, we could have that. I know people who grew up even with a mom and dad both in the home and they still for some reason just have that insecurity and rejection on them all the time. They have what I call like an orphan spirit, you know, always trying to do something to, to please people, um, and never being okay with who they are and who God made them to de- to be and never really realizing, um, the God potential that's in them. And so I want to encourage you today. The word of the Lord says there's a night and day difference in us. Amen. From who Joy Hester was back when she was Joy Thomas, Lord, glad that curse was broken, to who she is now, there's a night and day difference, right? You can insert your name in there, right? Who Jackie West was is not who she is now, right? Who Earl Harris was is not who he is now. Matter of fact, I would say there's a night and day difference, wouldn't you? From being rejected, Pat Cook, to being accepted. Friends, we need to know who we are. We are chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy people called of God. We are a people of purpose, somebody say amen. Amen. We are a people of purpose. When we believe who we are, then we start walking in it. But if you don't believe it, you're not going to be it. So often we try to be something that we don't even believe believe you got to be it to live it come on somebody and so we are a people of purpose but this is what happens friends often we don't realize what our purpose is now you might remember the last time I was here I I spoke about what purpose is I'm just going to recap just real quick purpose is the reason for which something is done or created 
or for which something exists. It is your why. It's your purpose helps you with your identity. Your why helps you understand your who. You understand what I'm saying? So identity is, is, is just who you are. It's your who. Your purpose is why. And they go together and neither one of those things change. Now our assignments, they change. But our purpose, our identity, they don't change. Okay? And so I believe God wants to have a clear understanding of purpose in this place today. Because the Bible says without vision of people perish. If we don't know our purpose, friends, we're lost. We, we, we kind of just mope around. We walk around and, and don't really know what direction we're going into. God wants us to have purpose. See, there's a tactic that the enemy used, oftentimes many tactics, but there's one that goes unnoticed, that hinders us from walking in our purpose. And I want to just kind of hit on this a little bit today. I call it perfectionism. Perfectionism keeps us from walking in our purpose, and it's something that we don't really realize. See, perfectionism, the definition of it is any of various doctrines holding that religious, moral, social, political perfectionism is attainable. It's a personal standard attitude and philosophy that demands perfection and rejects anything less. Now, if perfectionism was possible, would Jesus have to die on the cross for us? If a lot, you know, if some of these Old Testament prophets and kings and priests could not attain perfectionism, they had to offer sacrifices to, to forgive their sins. If they couldn't attain perfectionism, what makes us think that we can attain perfectionism? And yet, perfectionism keeps a lot of Americans bombarded. I mean, the, the whole American dream of perfectionism is just wrapped up in it. We got to get better. We got to get out, out the hood. We got to get better houses. We got to get better jobs, better cars and run, 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 run. And yet we sometimes still unfulfilled. I see this now having a church, like I said, in the hood and in the wood, I see, uh, that perfectionism attacks all people. Sometimes I see it manifest itself in South Toledo as I can't come to church because you know, the walls will fall down if I come in because I'm so, so much a mess. So you're saying you got to make yourself perfect and clean your own self up before you come to church. Is that perfectionism? Oh, I can't come to church this week because I have slipped up and I messed up. And so therefore I got to stay away from God and stay away from church. I mean, friends, I mean, when we actually say it out loud, we realize how stupid that sounds, right? But yet, that is a mindset that we have. You know why? It's perfectionism. But I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice, the unblemished lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the earth, and you don't have to be perfect because you know someone who is. You have to receive what Jesus did. It's by faith, friends. I heard a message. uh, Josh and I were at a minister's retreat this week. And uh, the man of God said that leaders need to lead by faith, not just by vision. A lot of times we have this thing like, you got to have vision, you got to have vision, you got to have vision. But listen, the Bible says I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not saying we don't have to have vision. We do need to have vision. We need to understand our purpose. But sometimes to get into our purpose, we just got to have faith. Sometimes God will drop our purpose to us and we're like, what? Me? No. Right? And the way you receive your purpose is by faith. 
We walk by faith, not by sight, friends. Come on, someone needs to grab a hold of that today. And so this is, this is what, when I was praying about this whole spirit of perfectionism, I felt like the Lord led me to this scripture in Galatians chapter 3. It says, are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish it by the means of the flesh? And this is how it manifests itself, friends. Oftentimes we can get saved by faith through grace and uh, saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And we receive that by faith and we understand that. But when we get into our salvation, we don't know how to walk into our purpose because we don't receive grace by faith through that. And see, friends, we need grace and we need faith to walk into our purpose, too. And what happens is we start by the spirit by saying it's only God. Only God could save me. I was such a sinner. I was such a mess. It was only God. Right. We understand that. But then once we get saved, we don't understand how it could only be God to help us walk the way we're supposed to walk. And that's why we don't walk by the spirit. When the Bible says walk by the spirit, be led by the spirit, live by the spirit. But we mess it up because we start in the spirit. We receive his grace. We receive faith. And and we understand that we're saved. But then when it's time for us to walk into the purpose and destiny and calling that God has in our life, we try to do that by our flesh. And by our flesh doesn't mean a bad thing all the time. I mean, by our own intellect. Let me figure this out. I'm going to be smart enough to understand the Bible. All the parts that don't make sense, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, Let me be so smart and so intellectual that I'm just going to analyze the spirit of God. You know, we only use, I can't remember what it is, like a very small percentage of our brain. Right? The Bible says right now we, we only see dimly, but when we're actually in heaven with him, we will fully see. I believe that in our resurrected bodies, in our glorified bodies, we're going to be able to use our full brain. And it's, I'm telling you, like, when you think about, like, really think about heaven and all that it has to offer, I mean, it blows my mind away. Just using your full brain. Can you imagine if you can actually just remember when you were a baby, when you were nursing on your mom's, you know what I'm saying? That would be crazy to remember. We can't usually remember past four years old. I mean, can you imagine every time you've, like, if you had your full brain, everything you were ever taught that you actually remember? Just remembering. Lord, if I don't write it down, it ain't, it ain't I will not remember. <laughs> not, in, not, not with Jesus, not in our glorified, resurrected body. It's going to be wonderful, guys. But we've got to have faith because we can't figure it out. We can't just finish it by the flesh. You know who tried to finish it by the flesh? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. And you know who got rebuked the most by the Lord? The Pharisees, the Sadducees the religious leaders of the day, and yet tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes followed Jesus because they had faith. They were able to, you know, the, the, the go into the temple. And the Pharisee, his prayer was, God, thank you that I tied this much and I am this much and I'm not like this sinner over here. And yet the, the sinner or, or the tax collector raised his hands to the Lord, beat his chest and said, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, who went away justified? The one who repented and said, have mercy on me. Friends, we cannot finish what God started in the spirit in the flesh. We need the spirit to carry us through. Amen. We need the spirit to walk according to our purpose. Amen. 
Come on, somebody, get that today. God wants you to walk in your purpose. You need the spirit to do it. So today, I want to talk to you about breaking perfectionism and walking in purpose. Number one, if you want to walk in purpose, you have to be fully present. What's that mean? Well, to be present. There's different ways to be present. Being physically present and accounted for is obviously important, but you can ask any child that regarding their parents or supervisor or teacher or whatever, just because someone's there doesn't mean they're there. I got convicted for this because I've been working really hard on some different projects that I got going. Anyone who knows me always got something cooking. Something's always, something's always going on. I, <laughs> always something cooking. And so I was working on something. It was late at night. And uh, one of my, my kids <laughs> was in, in bed with me. And I was on my computer. And I was working on things. They're like, what you doing? And, and I said, I'm working on this. And, and they were talking to me about this. I'm like, well, babe, not right now. I'm working on this. And they said, okay, workaholic. And walked away. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm turning into my daddy. <laughs> Oh, workaholic. I didn't even know that child knew what that word meant. He called me a workaholic. I'm like, for real? But God was speaking to me through that. Are you present? You're here, but are you here? I want, I I think that sometimes we need to learn where we are, there we are. You know, the Bible says bloom where you are planted. A lot of us never bloom and never produce fruit because we don't plant ourselves And I'm going to tell you, I've been pastoring this church now for quite some time, over a decade. And before then, as a youth pastor and children's pastor, been ministering in the neighborhood. And I have seen so many people come in and out, in and out, in and out. And those who actually ground themselves and plant themselves produce more fruit. And it's hard because sometimes you want to just dip out because someone's getting on your nerves or someone didn't greet you right or someone corrected you too much or someone wasn't as gentle. They didn't sandwich that as much as they should have with encouragement or whatever. And sometimes you just want to bust a move. Amen. But when you, when you plant yourself, friends, that's when you're going to bloom. That's when you're going to grow because we need to be present. We need to be present. We need to be there. Why were Earl and Renee chosen as our campus pastors? Because they're present. Because we can count on them. Because they're always here. Because they receive correction. You can be there too. You can be wherever God has called you to be when you commit and you stay present, friends. God wants us to be fully present. In today's day and age, we are bombarded with distraction. I mean, for real. Like just this. Most of y'all have one of these. You may not have one with this much bling, but y'all have one. And this thing, listen, I'm on a group chat with, like, a couple different people, and if they have, like, I have an iPhone or they have a, a, a different kind of phone, like, I don't always get it. So my husband downloaded this messenger app, and now I get beep, beep twice, like, on my text and on that. And it's like, dude, this thing is giving me anxiety. I'm, I'm ready to, like, throw it away sometimes. You know what I mean? Beep, beep for twice for different text messages. Beep, beep. Now you got a messenger app on, on Facebook. People who don't have your phone number can still get a hold of you and call you that way. Beep, beep. Oh, Instagram download. Beep, beep. Emails. It's like, it's never stopping. You know what I'm saying? And we're all there. 
It's so easy to be distracted and to not be present, friends. It takes discipline to be engaged. It takes discipline to be there. Like we have a rule, like when we eat at our family table, the phone got to go. It can't be at the table because we want to be present to talk. I mean, this week at our family dinner, I don't even know, dude, my youngest kid was like making fun of my oldest kid and it was freaking hilarious. Like if my phone was there, I would have missed it. I mean, he's only six years old and he, he has like this little funny speech problem still, but yet he was like, just, he was, he just lit my oldest son up and my oldest son, he is just so funny. He like can take that kind of stuff. Like if that was one of my middle kids, it would have been drama, but he can take that. And he, I, I guess apparently if y'all know, you guys want to know what happened, right? I know you do. This has really nothing. This is extra. This doesn't really have to do with the sermon, but it's extra. <laughs> so my youngest was making fun of my oldest because after school and my oldest, you know, he's eighth grade. So he's like the upper school eighth grader now, you know, and so he's walking out to the car and my husband, you know, this past year uh, around Father's Day got a new truck. Oh, it made him a new man, but uh, yeah, he loves that truck. So apparently there's a lot of dads that like that kind of truck at TCS because Shua opened the door to another truck and was getting ready and was a mom in it this time, was getting ready to sit down, like open it all the way up. She, he was like, mom, the mom looked just like you. And there was a little, little heads in there. I thought it was the other kids, you know, and, jo- and justice is telling the story. Like Shua came out all cool. And, and then he went up into the truck and he opened up. He was like, ah, I'm sorry. And, you know, and he was like telling the story, dude, I was falling out the chair. It was so funny, but I would have missed that if I had my phone with me because my phone's always beeping. I got put on vibrates. People text me during church, like, you should be at church. Sorry, Pastor, I wasn't here today because blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I mean, it's always distracting us. And so, friends, I want to say it takes discipline to be fully engaged, but God wants you to be present because if you're not present, you're going to miss things. You're going to miss your kids growing up. They're only small, just a little while. For some reason, with the other ones, the oldest, I kind of was a little bit more of a dictator mom. She likes to say that I used to slap his hand for touching my coffee table, and now I watch Justice stand on it, dance, and jump off of it with a smile on my face. I said, I'm sorry, son. It's a little uptight back then. I had justice a little later in life. I calmed down a bit. And what it is, is I don't think I enjoyed the seasons that the older ones in when they were in the season as much because I was so busy doing other things that for this youngest one, I'm just, man, he's just so stinking. I just got to pay attention. I mean, like, I can't hardly even remember the other ones being that young, you know, because they grow up like that. I'm about to have a high schooler. Like, dude, you were just like a, like a little guy just a minute ago. What happened? We miss things, friends. That's what happens. We miss things because we're not engaged. We go on dates, and you know what we do? I've done it. My husband took a picture of me one time, embarrassed me, putting on uh, uh, social media, said, together but alone. (laughs) Because we were on a date, and I was on my phone. Workaholic, man. I'm like, Lord, help me. (laughs) Friends, let's, let's let's make a goal this year to be present. Let's make a goal. Let's make a promise this year to be present. Because if you want to be a people of purpose, then you need to be present. Because you're not going to know your purpose if you're not even present. Amen? I like what 
I got a whole bunch more, but I'm going to save that for another day. Let's move on to number two. Another way to break perfectionism and walk in purpose is to understand your passion. Well, understand your passion. Jesus was so passionate about fulfilling his purpose on earth that he suffered and died for our sins. I want to break down what the word passion really means. A lot of us think passion just means being excited about something. Oh, she's so passionate because she's bubbly and excited. No, man, that's not what passion really means. The word passion originates from the Latin word passio, which is closely related to the Greek word path. Do you get that? The Greek word path, meaning to suffer. Why do many mainline denominations and Catholics call the last week of, of Christ's life on earth Passion Week? Because he suffered. Now, friends, I want to remind you what I spoke to you guys about the last time I was here from David Rick Wilkerson, where he talked about how great ministry is birthed in agony. What's agony mean? Suffering, right? A lot of times, if you're going to walk in your purpose, you're going to suffer for it. Listen, y'all, when I first got credentialed, I was 21 years old, young girl. And in my denomination, there wasn't as many uh, females at that time in ministry. I remember there was times that, that people questioned. I had other people question my calling, and it, it made me, it, there was times that it hurt me, some of the things that people would say and say about me. And, and I had to suffer a little bit. I mean, it's not like how Jesus suffered, but I had to suffer within myself to understand, is this what I'm truly called to do? But then I had to realize I, there was a time that I struggled, and this was early on, actually, right after we first planted the church here about 12 years ago, and, and it was like right when we first started going, and I remember we actually had a young man living in our house at that time, and, and I received a hate mail is what I call it, <laughs> uh, from somebody that said all kinds of blasphemous, rude, rude things, and I read through it, and uh, dude, it felt, the only way I can explain it and and I, I'm sorry, I don't bring, mean to bring up anything that's insensitive, but it felt like I, like I was having a miscarriage. It's the only way I could explain the pain, the internal pain that I was feeling that day. I literally was weeping and crying for hours, so much so that this young man who lived with us um, came upstairs, and he's a spiritual son. He, asked, he, he calls Pastor Josh's dad, and he said, Dad, what's going on with Mom? And he said, it's okay. She's going to be okay. She's just got to get through this. My husband had wisdom, wisdom enough. A lot of men would have been sitting back there holding their wives, patting their heads. But he knew he couldn't bring me the comfort that I needed to hear it from God. And I did that day. God spoke to me. He confirmed my calling. And he um, put me on a path of purpose that I have not left. Because what can man do to me? My hope and my confidence is in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you're, you have a purpose in your life, but as soon as that suffering comes, you go running from your purpose, running from your path. Listen, Jesus had the opportunity to run too. He was in the garden, and he said he was in such agony that he began to pray, and sweats of blood literally came from him. And there's a scientific term for that. That's, that's a real thing that doesn't happen often, but that can really happen. That he was in such agony that when he prayed and he was sweating, that his sweat was blood. He bled before he even went to the cross in prayer, friends. 
Come on, somebody needs to get that today. Because for us to walk in our path, for us to walk in our passion, we got to realize we're going to suffer. There's going to be some agony. But it's okay because God is there. Acts 1 3 says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. We have to know that after the suffering, there's a resurrection, friends. There's a resurrection. But Paul said, I want to know him and in the sharing of his sufferings. You want to know Jesus? A lot of times we only want to know a little part of somebody. I just want to, you know, some of you guys know me uh, because, well, I've been hearing her preach for the last 10 years. And so I know her that way. I've come to maybe some of her classes. I follow her on social media. And then some people know me a little bit more like Pat Cook. We go and we get coffee together and we talk together probably on the phone usually at least once a week. And we meet together. So she knows me a little bit more. And then there's people like my husband and some of my best friends and family who really know me. They know what what makes me happy and they know what makes me ticked. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we only want to know a part of somebody. Sometimes we only want to know that part of Jesus that's going to give us a blessing. That part that's going to bring salvation. That part that's going to help us fulfill the promise. But we don't want to know the Jesus that's, that suffered. We don't want to know the Jesus that, that is showing us our path that we may have to suffer. But Paul said, I want to know him and the sharing of his sufferings that I might somehow attain the resurrection. Come on, somebody. This is the thing, friends. When you find your passion, you find your purpose. Because passion always reveals your purpose. Paul understood this. That's why when they tied him up with a belt and that prophetic man, Agabus, gave that prophetic word and said, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be tied up like this. Talk about a prophetic show, Bobby. That was like went way down. But Paul said to the prophet, now someone could have thought, and there's, Someone could have thought that he missed God because the prophetic word told him, hey, you go, you're about to get tied up. But Paul already knew that. And he said, even if I had to suffer and die, I got to fulfill my purpose. I got to stay on my path. Friends, there's going to be people who are going to c- come around and they're going to tell you things and it'd be true. And it's gonna, it'd be a temptation to get you off the path to take the easy road. But even if you had to suffer and die, friends, even if you had to... Even if it's hard, stay on the path, stay on the purpose with the passion that God has given you. Amen. Passion reveals your purpose. What are you passionate about? God might have a purpose in that. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Another way to break perfectionism and walk in our purpose is to depend on God's power. Say power. Depend is where we get the word dependent from, right? Dependents are usually the children that live in our home. We sometimes get a little tax credit for them. Hello, tax return time is coming up, you know? Dependence is where we get the, uh, dep- is rooted in the word depend. It means that you need, the dependent depends on their parents or their guardians for their basic needs. God says in his word for us to become like little children. God wants us to to depend on his power for even our basic needs. Paul had to learn this, and I think sometimes Paul had to learn this the hard way because, you see, Paul was a very educated man. 
Paul actually kind of, in my opinion, had a little bit of a problem of boasting. If you, if you actually read his epistles, I mean, there was times he would say, he would say things like, I know a man who was called up to the third heaven. He was talking about himself, right? There'd be times he would say, not that I should boast, but if I was going to boast, I'm a Pharisee, a Pharisee. I'm a, a Benjamite. I'm from the tribe of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin. I've studied underneath the greatest teacher in Israel. I'm this and that. And, I, and I've worked harder than any of the apostles. <laughs> I mean, he would, he would kind of lay it out, right? And, and I believe, uh, and, a lot of, and I'm agreeing with a lot of scholars, that, that the Lord allowed him to have a thorn in his flesh to keep him dependent on God's power. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here in, in 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read a couple of verses. You can go back and read it. And it really talks about how, how Paul had a thorn in his flesh and how three times he prayed for God to remove that thorn and God didn't. Okay. And here we see in, in verse nine and 10, it says, but he said to me, and this is Christ talking to Paul, my gr- grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Power made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, there he goes again, all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For where I am weak, I am strong. Now, I want to break this down for you a little bit. A lot of scholars believe um, that Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Some people believe that he had some kind of physical thorn. Like maybe uh, some people believe that his sight was going. Some pe- people believe he had some um, different um, stomach issues. And so, you know, he traveled with Luke, who was a doctor. That's why a lot of people believe there was a physical thorn. According to my um, Greek devotional guy, his name is Rick Rayner. If you guys don't have the Greek devotional called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, I highly recommend it. He's an expert in Greek. And according to him, now the New Testament, for those who don't know, was written in Greek, and then it was translated um, in Latin and then translated into all of our other languages. And so sometimes we might miss the meaning, just like if you ever took uh, a different foreign language in school, they may have one word and we may have like five different words that mean the same thing in English. Well, sometimes we miss things are, you know, missed in translation. And so, According to this guy, and I, and I tend to believe him because of how this verse is translated, he believes that the thorn in Paul's flesh might not just been some kind of physical thing, but more of a pain in his butt. And what I mean by that is people were the thorn in his flesh. People who, who insulted him, rejected him persecuted him. No matter where Paul went, he had people read the book of Acts and and his missionary journeys. No matter where he went, I mean, how many times the man was stoned? How many times? I mean, there was a time he had an escape one city by being lured down in a basket because they were going to kill him, right? And then he was in prison. And guess what? He was getting it from everybody. He was getting it from the Gentiles. The one time when they wanted, they wanted to find him, they couldn't find him. And they, they drag out his friend Jason and, and, and wanted, and went to go stone him because the Gentiles didn't like him because he was preaching truth and then they couldn't sell their little idols and they lost out on their business. It's just like when, say, uh, somebody on the street gets saved and now all of a sudden they're not selling drugs anymore. Someone, some people might, might get upset about that because they're losing out on some money, right? 
Well, that's, that's what was going on here. So the Gentiles didn't like him. And then the Jewish people didn't like him because he was going to Gentiles and saying, listen, the kingdom of God is for you too. And so he had people who hated him in every way. And this is what he says at the end of this, right? I delight in weakness. He didn't say in my heart. He didn't say weakness in my, my sight being hurting and my stomach pains and, uh, and all the, you know, the pills I got to take, you know, whatever. <laughs> he said in hardships, Right? He said, in persecution, in difficulties, for where I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, if you've got a pain in your butt, some family members maybe who are a pain in your butt, maybe some in-laws. If you've got a pain in your butt, someone who's hating on you for some reason, someone who just doesn't believe in you. If you've got some people who are, who are persecuting you or saying, I remember when I first got saved year, 20 years ago, and, and people said, oh, that's just a phase for her. You know, she'll come back. If you got those haters out there, guess what? Delight in their insults. If you got someone lying on you and saying something that's totally not true, delight in the persecution because where you are weak, he is strong. That's how Paul depended on his power. Basically, God is saying, my grace is more than enough to protect you empower you, and help you deal with the problems you encounter in life. You will find that my grace is completely satisfactory in meeting your need and that you will make you sufficiently strong to deal with these situations. That Greek word power is one Greek word that most Pentecostals know. It's called dunamis. It means dynamite power. That means God's power is so strong it can blow up any problem in your life push it out the way that you could keep on walking in that path, keep on walking in your purpose. So friends, I want you to know that if you want to walk in purpose, you need to depend on God's power. You understand that? The last thing here I want to talk about, if you want to break perfectionism and, and walk in purpose is focus on your progress. A lot of times we want to focus on perfectionism. We want, you know, that old saying practice makes perfect. Oh, I used to say that all the time to my oldest kids, <laughs> but then I got down to the youngest, and uh, my sister said, Joy, you know, that saying is not really good because none of us are ever perfect, and you can practice, 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 and still not be perfect. It should be practice makes progress. I'm like, oh, you millennials, you ones who give trophies out to everybody, whatever, you know, but then God said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I didn't say it. I thought it, y'all. <laughs> But then the Lord checks me, you know, because sometimes we put perfectionism on our children. Ooh, a generation of parents today, we're real bad about it. We want to make sure our kids are in every single sport program. I mean, they don't even have time just to be home anymore because it's like go to school and then go practice for sports for two hours and then do three hours of homework because they got to be straight A's too. And then, you know, don't ever misbehave anywhere. We, and we put this perfectionism on, on our kids nowadays. I mean, we didn't even, when I was growing up, you know, in the 80s and 90s and stuff, we didn't even start sports to middle school. Now, if you don't put a kid in sports by five years old, they're going to be behind. You know what I'm saying? And, and we have all this pressure, all this pressure as parents to make our kids perfect. That we don't focus on progress. And we do the same thing with our own selves. Oh, well, I didn't read my Bible this week, so I probably shouldn't come to church because I'm just going to be fake. 
I mean, these are the thought, thoughts and lies that the en- enemy entertains us with. Oh, I got mad at my wife this week or at my husband this week. And so, man, I can't even, I can't even serve. I remember somebody would come up to me a, a long time ago and would say, I can't, I can't serve today. I can't pray over the offering. I can't do this because, you know, I messed up this week and I did this this week. And I said, listen, I could never pick up the mic and preach if I, if I only focus on every time I messed up and every time I had an attitude or every time, you know. And, 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 and instead, I'm going to focus on my progress. I might still get, catch an attitude, but not as much as I used to. I'm going to focus on my progress. I'm not going to be stuck on where I used to be. Because that's not where I am anymore. Paul said it this way, and I love how he said it in Philippians 3, 2, 12, and 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, we've got to press. We are, we are a generation. Listen, people who have went before us, they have suffered way more for the kingdom than we do. And as soon as one little hardship comes our way, we want to quit. We've got to learn to press. If you don't quit, you win. Would you stand to your feet with me today, friends? God is good. God is good. And all the time. Let's focus in on the Lord for a minute. If you would close your eyes and your mouth, bless the Lord. (laughs) And let's just focus in on him for a moment. God, you are so good. Mm. I believe the Lord wants to set some of you free in here today. Some of you have entertained the spirit of perfectionism for so long. And that's why you're still dealing with insecurity. And that's why you're still dealing with with rejection. That's why you're still dealing with comparing yourself to somebody else instead of just being okay with who God has made you to be and with the gifts. Instead of developing your gifts, you're always looking at what you're not. God wants to break that off you today. If you have been dealing with insecurity and rejection and that perfectionism spare, would you raise your hand before the Lord today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God wants to free you today so that you can walk in your purpose. Would you go ahead and come on up here? If you raised your hand, come on up here and stand right before the Lord. We're going to have our prayer team come up too. But just stand facing me right here before the Lord. Focus on God. If you're a part of our prayer team, would you come up and help us pray too? We got some oil over here. Ms. Pat can give you guys some oil. Love for you to help us pray. I want all of us just to raise our hands, those up here and those in our seats, raise our hands before the Lord. God wants to touch you today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your people, Lord God. And I declare in the name of Jesus, they are accepted and not rejected. 
I declare in the name of Jesus that they are the head and not the tail. I declare in the name of Jesus that they are your chosen ones. They are a royal priesthood. They are called by God and they have purpose. They have purpose in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for breaking every hindrance, every lie of the enemy that would keep them bound up. And God, that you would break it off them in the name of Jesus, that they would be able to walk in their purpose. Lord, I pray you would bless all of us. That when we leave this, door, this place today, that, you, that we would know that our mission and our purpose is to do your will on earth. To share your good news to others. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit and help us walk in your power. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Worship te- our prayer team, go ahead and start praying.
if you left. Thank you. 